Hello, this is Rachel McElroy. Hello, this is Griffin McElroy. And this is wonderful. Let the rain fall down upon my skin. Let it wash away all my skin. Here comes the rain again. That's good. All I can see is the rain is pretty rain. <laughs> Blame it on the rain. That's good. Yeah. Are there any more rain songs? A rainy days and Monday always get me down. <laughs> it's a nice, moody, gray, rainy Tuesday morning when we're recording this. When we're recording this, not when you're listening to it. Well, babe, when they're listening to it, it may also not be raining whenever it is. I'm, so, I'm of course, talking about our current sort of setting. I want to set the vibe. You know what? The oh, okay. lights, it's a little too bright. Ooh. Ooh. Turn a couple lights off. Ooh, this is good. You're giving me actually am right now. You've got the, let me paint a picture. Right okay. now, uh, I am just sort of casked in darkness (laughs) i am a shadow a sort of um a sort of specter if you will over here you've never looked better i've never looked better (laughs) rachel is sitting right next to my table lamp so she's got this soft sort of amber glow on the left side of her face on the right side of her face she has this more harsh sort of white technological glow from the laptop and it's just a sort of like you look like a movie poster for like a like it's really the dichotomy of man you know you're like a Star Wars, but you're like, is she a good side or a bad side one? You're like a Star Wars. I love it. I'm really feeling this energy right okay, now. Okay, good. How are, you, how are you enjoying this energy right it's now? It's cozy for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. Nice and cool in the studio too. Not, not, uh-huh. too, not too warm. Got a little warm yesterday. Today, rainy, cool. Ooh, a little thunder. Let's welcome our friend Thunder into the studio. Oh, the vibe is right. The vibe is just right. Do you have any small wonders? Uh, why don't you go first? Uh, that's good, because I was going to say the um, uh, Amy Schumer learns to cook. Yeah. Uh, I have, I don't know, I feel like I fell off the Amy Schumer wagon. Uh, we used to watch her, the the Comedy Central show, uh, and then th- th- there is something so undeniable and so... Uh, charming and even relatable about this this show, which her and her husband, who is a professional chef, um, they make in their their this house that they're staying in during quarantine. They're making it right now, yeah, with like cameras controlled remotely. They have a, a they have a baby named Jean, who's extremely cute. Uh, they and have limited ingredients. Limited ingredients. Uh, they they have their nanny who's like just running a handy cam to like yeah. help them with like <laughs> close shots, and it's just like a very quiet, very like very very sweet sort yeah. of show, which is like I don't I don't know like uh, well, you think about cooking shows, they're usually like they exist outside of time. Yes, and they're usually like very high energy. And this this is nice. It's very present. It's very calm. Yes, that is a very good way of putting it. Uh, I think there's only two, maybe three episodes at this point, but it's like we 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 went like we went hard on those first two episodes, and I was like more more, (laughs) but there's not anymore. Um, Hey, do you have any small wonders? I don't know if I've mentioned it yet on the podcast, but we've already finished the whole run, and that's never have I ever on Netflix. Oh yeah. Wow, what a good show that was. So good. From the perspective of just like uh, the the grief of like the sudden loss of a parent, like 
it is a comedy show and it's about high school sort of romance drama sort of made uh, hyper dramatic, but also like an exploration of grief. Like it's really fucking like fascinating and it goes like really, really deep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I love that one too. A lot of good TV, huh? Yeah, I think when when uh, when we first had a lot of time on our hands, didn't seem like there was a lot of good programming out, and now now it's just a, a wave of of good shows right yeah. now. Yeah, I think I well, I mean, I think there was also a fear of just like, uh oh, TV's going to stop, but that's not how TV production works, and that it's not going to stop right now. It's going to stop around like October. <laughs> yeah. In October, we better have some shit. Say October, we're going to be like. Why are we watching all of Star Trek The Next Generation? <laughs> be like, oh, we ran out of TV. That's a Oh, shame. by the way, there's a podcast for that. <laughs> yes, that's true. Uh, I believe I go first this week. My yes. first subject that I'm going to talk about. I'm, I'm pretty excited about both of oh, mine. Okay. My first one is the Fast and the Furious franchise. Oh, yay. Uh, le- this franchise is so special. Uh, both to me and to uh, the, the the planet Earth. To my knowledge, I cannot think of another film franchise like it, right? Like, you want to talk about action film franchises that have run, uh, you know, if, if you include Hobbs and Shaw, they, they've had nine films so far, and I include Hobbs and Shaw, a delightful film that you must see in 4D to really get the true experience <laughs> from it. Um, I mean, you got, like, what, James Bond and even the Mission Impossible movies. I don't think there have been nine of those. Yeah, I think there's just five or six, Yeah, right? th- I mean, those have gotten extremely good, too. I could do a whole yeah. thing about those. Uh, Ghost Protocol, man, that movie just rips ass. Uh, <laughs> but even, like, the Bond films, uh, though they have run for certainly longer, they do not occupy this special, pure place in my heart like uh-huh. this uh, f- uh, franchise does, because, like... I, I've seen all these movies and I really like all of them, even the bad ones. And yeah. <laughs> I feel like that that is saying something. Uh, and I also think like the story of the franchise is fascinating because by all means, like it should have, it should not stopped. have run. It should have stopped, right? Uh, all the movies have been fairly successful, right? Here is a brief timeline of the Fast and the Furious films. First one comes out summer of 2001. Wow. Um, I know, man. It's been 19 <laughs> years that this this franchise has been running, and it is very much a movie for uh, car enthusiasts and street yes. racing enthusiasts, right? Uh, it has uh, Paul Walker uh, mm-hmm. in it as this FBI agent who is investigating this ring of car smugglers who are stealing like DVD players or some shit. It is like a wild film. Um, but then you also get Vin Diesel, who was not especially well known at the time. Yeah. Uh, and actually like a really diverse crew, both in front of and behind the camera, which is yeah. like rare for a big, big, big summer blockbuster, especially That's one true. that has run uh, over the course of, of 19 years. Um, critically mixed reviews. Uh, it's it's safe to say. I mean, it's a new thing, and there are lots of like great stunts and a lot of good car chases in this. It is modeled essentially after those like, um, you know, fifties and sixties just car chase sort of grindhousey movies, and yeah. it fills that. And you know, there well, was well, the- and I will say too, like just starting out, they did not have the budget that I'm sure they have now, so they couldn't do. They, I mean, they did all right. They they had a they had a decent budget. They also uh, <laughs> made two hundred and seven million dollars worldwide for its uh, for its its whole cinematic run. Uh, it made forty million opening weekend. Like mixed reviews, but commercially, like a complete smash hit. Then you get Too Fast, Too Furious, bigger in every way, stunt wise, 
numerically. Uh, <laughs> critically, the critics were like, actually, um, I, I don't, I don't know about this one. But commercially, two hundred thirty-six million, crushing it. All things mm-hmm. looking up, looking up. Didn't have uh, Vin Diesel in it. I don't think this one. Um, uh, which is a, which is a real shame. I feel like he's the <laughs> yeah, glue. Vin Diesel is probably thing. like, oh, you know what? This is this is done. I'm out. They don't they don't need me for this one. Uh, critically, like people just couldn't like critics couldn't handle. It. I think they looked at the title and they're like, we can't do any we can't do it with this title except for roger ebert uh who gave too fast too furious three out of four stars and said quote it doesn't have a brain in its head but it's made with skill and style and boy it is fast and furious (laughs) wow somebody was trying to get their blurb up on the the trailer i think roger i don't think roger ebert (laughs) needs to juice it to uh to get up on the trailer but Roger Ebert was a big like fan, actually, of the first three yeah. Fast and the Furious movies. Uh, he had a review of the fourth one, which was the first like one he was kind of critical of. He was like, "We've already had the first three movies, which have been translated into commercially successful video games. Why did we need a fourth one? Oh wait, I just answered my own question. It <laughs> was so good. Uh, so the third movie is this weird kind of outlier called Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. Have you seen this one? Have you I seen? don't know. I feel like, wasn't there a time when we watched all of them? You got I the I don't complete... think we've watched Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Really? We did get the complete set, but yeah. we skipped a couple of them. The only time we ever watched Fast and Furious is when we were uh, on vacation in Mexico, and I got like such a bad stomach bug, and we were like laid out in bed, and it was just on TV, and no, we watched it. No, but at one it. point, you had the full DVD set, yeah, and but I thought I th- we watched each... Gosh, I don't know. I'm struggling to remember. Uh, anyway, God, we're just jumping around the timeline right now. I'm, I'm so sorry. I'm so excited. Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift doesn't have any of the original crew in it. It is like its own oh, sort of okay. stand apart side it. story uh, that takes place in the future. The chronology of this franchise is fucked up because uh, it's like one, two, four. Actually, I think four might be a prequel to two. And three comes in before seven. And from seven <laughs> on, it goes on. Um it it was it was critically just the weakest one. There, it, here's the thing about this movie because I did watch it a long time ago when it first came out. Uh, it's not very fast. This film. It is mostly <laughs> about drifting, which I've done drifting on this show before. I've talked specifically about how great drifting is. I probably mentioned Tokyo Drift at some point during that segment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This movie is not about, a lot about fast racing as much as it is like turning cars very well inside of parking <laughs> garages. Yeah. Which is not as uh, exciting to watch. And also, like, it didn't have any of the original cast in it. So the critics were very harsh on it. And critically, uh, commercially, it made, like, $150 million some dollars, which is good, but uh, a step down, right? Yes, yes. A weaker film franchise would have been snuffed out by this. Yes. Not, not this one. Not this one. <laughs> then we get Fast and Furious, the fourth one. Actually, probably my least favorite one. Although, in its defense, when I watched it, I did have some of the worst diarrhea I've ever had in my entire life. (laughs) But it's basically a retread kind of of the first movie, but you do get that cast back together, right? You get Paul Walker, you get Vin back in the room, you get uh, Michelle, Rodriguez, mm-hmm. you get you get you get the squad mm-hmm. back together, and we're 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 enjoying that. The plot, Ludacris, right? Ludacris is, is I on forget the scene when Ludacris. Now. I think Ludacris is on the scene at this point. Uh, so like the plot of the movie doesn't really do it for me, but you do get the cast back together, and this is when the 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 focus on the family really starts to <laughs> yes. become a major emphasis on the films. It's it's a thing in one and two, right? And then three is just like no family, just turning. And then in four, <laughs> it's all about it's oh all about my the gosh. family. And, family and, is a character, like its own distinct character in this film. It's a vibe, and it's not just like a gag, right? It is a uh, it it is a level of vulnerability mm-hmm. that 
most, uh, fuck it, like any other action movie has not really allowed it to have, particularly between uh, Vin Diesel and Paul Walker's characters. Yeah. There is a a male intimacy there. Yeah. That is so, like, special, especially when you consider the, like, actual close ties that this cast has together, right? Yeah. It's the fucking, like, Lord of the Rings thing where it's just, like, us you know, dozen people or so are going to spend every waking moment of our film careers together because this is like all we're doing. Uh, And that is like such a pure and beautiful thing, although Fast and Furious isn't a very enjoyable (laughs) film in my opinion. But what's that looming over the horizon? And I swear I'm not going to recap. This is the last one I'm going to recap. But Fast Five is my favorite of the franchise. Uh, It was the first one that... Like, I remember watching and thinking like, oh, wait, I've seen some of the other films before, but this one is, this franchise beats ass, huh? Like, this franchise is something very, very special. Uh, it takes place in Rio de Janeiro, like, in, like gorgeous scenery. Uh, you, you, you have that, that cast uh, together again. Only at this point, it has stopped being a car enthusiast movie for car enthusiasts. At this point, it has become a big-budget heist movie series. And yeah. all the other movies since then have just been big-budget heist movies with a, a focus on cars. Uh, there are certainly cool cars there to be seen and enjoyed by everybody. But for the most part, it's them trying to steal a bank vault uh, from... Oh I forget the exact plot. Uh, and the action sequences become just fully cartoonish at this point. This movie yes. caps off with a, um, if you've never seen any of them, watch Fast Five. It caps off with a car chase where one of the cars is towing this like 10 ton vault down the streets of Rio de Janeiro, just swinging it around like this huge fucking cube shaped wrecking ball. <laughs> Uh, it is so radical and and so outrageous. In this one, right? Yes. This is speaking where we get of the rock. speaking of cube shaped objects, we also have the Rock <laughs> making his debut in this film, uh, and he is he plays this. Uh, I forget if what sort of police force he is working for, but he's trying to take down the, yeah. the Fast and the Furious crew. Uh, watching him and Vin Diesel slam their huge meaty bodies <laughs> into each other. There's a fight scene that they have in a garage that is like full-blown like uh they live style just like these big burly boys throwing each other through big (laughs) glass windows and shit uh he is so funny the film is so funny and there is a levity also to this to this franchise that is sort of injected in fast five that all the other movies have also been like funny and not trying to adhere to this like grim edgy it's there's nothing edgy about the films anymore at this point even when it's like got charlie's theron like vying for nuclear weapons like it's still like kind of winky about it uh it is i it is just uh, all all the movies that have come since then like fast six fast seven fast seven fast eight whatever fate of the furious um have been cut from the same cloth as Fast Five. Fast Five like established this formula, and it was hugely successful. Like the 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 biggest movie. I think this one, or actually, it was Fate of the Furious, had the biggest opening weekend in China of any movie like ever. Oh, like wow. it is a it is a huge global phenomenon, uh, and just all the movies since then have been like so fun and so watchable. Uh, and it's it is it is fun from a like. 
uh, it's from from fun from like a meta standpoint at this yeah. point, where it's like I enjoy watching the movies, but I also enjoy that these movies are being made by these people whose like entire sort of like uh you know careers and 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 stuff have been like shaped by these movies and the people that they've made them with which makes it even sadder that you know when when paul walker uh passed away during the the making of fast and the furious seven which like fucked me up in theaters um it is it is just a special uh incredible over the top gentle sweet caring radical fast <laughs> furious thing and the next one's gonna have john cena in it oh, like they can do no wrong the big boys you know i i don't know you to be somebody who's particularly enthusiastic about action films but you definitely this is near and dear to your heart i like um i mean i like action films that are sp- like special in some way right like i will still watch the matrix movies uh because it's like still fucking cool like there are things that happen in those movies that are uh cool and revolutionary and like thinking back to the first time i saw them and thinking like this isn't just some big you know dumb shootout like they are doing some really fucking rad stuff with these movies like that's the kind of thing a lot of um some like old art martial arts movies ong bok which is this uh muay thai movie where they're actually kind of beating the shit out of each other and like the stunts are absolutely remarkable and dangerous and just like cool like that's the kind of stuff that i vibe with i feel like it can't just be like rambo yeah Um, yeah no no you know no shade to rambo or whatever but like what I love about these movies is that they the stunts are like absolutely remarkable. But if it was just the stunts, I don't think I'd enjoy it. Like I'd enjoy it, but I wouldn't like be talking about it on our show right now. It is the like the joy of it, the abundant, generous joy uh-huh. of these movies is is something really special. That see, I told you I was going to go so long. <laughs> What's your first thing? My first thing is the sweet eggy bread that is the Hawaiian roll. Oh my God. I know nothing about the Hawaiian roll except that I love eating it. Mm-hmm. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> we had some last night, yes? We, yes. We had, ooh, yes. Yes. So uh, the Hawaiian roll is kind of similar. I was thinking about it today, kind of similar to a challah bread. It is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I never piece that together. Yeah, like a challah bread and a brioche are all uh, enriched with eggs and butters. Plural, which I've decided to... For this recipe, you add in one eggs and two butters. Um, oh, you got cow butter, and then you're going to add in some bat butter. You don't, you don't think about bat butter, but it's there. Uh, so the, the whole idea of like a sweetened bread um, became really popularized uh, from Portuguese immigrants. Hmm. Uh, specifically coming to Hawaii in the mid to late 19th century to work ranches and plantations. Uh, By 1910, many of these Portuguese families baked their own breads using recipes brought from home. But when refined sugar was scarce, they used local ingredients like honey and pineapple as sweeteners. Oh, interesting. Now, the actual like Hawaiian roll does not have any pineapple juice listed as an ingredient right but i found a lot of recipes online that suggest using it to get that kind of sweetness i imagine that would have like a completely different flavor profile like i imagined it you don't typically have a lot of like citric sort of acidity inside of bread but i bet that'd be Mm -hmm. fucking good so the uh king's hawaiian Mm -hmm. 
that is kind of like that's that's the go-to. Like you can find like a generic Hawaiian roll for sure. The yeah. uh, the hot dog buns we had last night were actually like a generic Hawaiian. That was product. a trip, by the way. I don't think I've ever had like Hawaiian roll hot dog buns. We, <laughs> we had some big uh, uh, frozen. What's the name of the Omaha Steaks beef franked? Holy mm-hmm. shit! That was a hot dog and a half, man. <laughs> Grilled it up. Oh, busted out that grill for the first time in the summer. Hello. Yeah, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so King's Hawaiian actually um, was created by a Japanese-American man who lived next to uh, like a family of Portuguese immigrants who were creating these sweet breads that were traditional to their culture. But those breads would become stale after like a day, hmm. as a lot of, you know, bread fresh does. Yeah. Baked bread does. Um, so in 1959, Robert Tara opened Robert's Bakery on the Big Island and started specializing in these kind of Portuguese style breads, but had increased the shelf life, had done some kind of magic, some kind of magic recipe yeah. that had made them kind of softer. Then last longer. Yeah, he was a bread wizard, if I remember his uh, autobiography. <laughs> uh, just eggs, butter, sugar. Um, not anything Sorcer- too... Sorcery. Sorcery, yeah, sorcery but then, either. yeah, the sorcery. Uh, so this uh, Robert's Bakery um, moved to uh, King Street in Honolulu, ah. which is how it became King's Hawaiian. Um, the bread... Uh, was so popular, it became like a big thing that tourists would buy it and then like ship it home. Interesting. And so like people, that was like, if you took a trip to Hawaii, that was like what you would pick up while you were there. Hmm. Uh, So in 1977, they moved to California. um, And, you know, the rest is kind of history. Uh, I will say that I was watching a little like little videos about it. And they talked about how when uh, they started creating like mass production, uh, Robert bought all of this equipment, mm-hmm. but the bread was so like wet and sticky that it like the equipment consistently couldn't handle it. Like most bread is not nearly that wet and sticky. And so he had to modify his own equipment to mm. like, withstand the like he just tackiness. Put, pa- put paper towels everywhere to kind of. <laughs> uh, so uh, Robert's son. Uh, is the current CEO. So it's still very much like a family, a family business. Um, but uh, I, you read a lot of like dishes uh, that use this bread specifically because like the sweet egginess. Right. Um, it works really well with like a, I don't know, what, what am I thinking of? Like a, like a pork kind of. I'm thinking of pork. I'm thinking mm, of like, like. a barbecue kind of. A barbecue, a pulled pork situation, yeah. a ham situation. What I'm thinking of is how like every fourth video that is, that pops up in like my Facebook video feed that is like tasty or one of those other um, cooking things has a, like just cut a whole sheet because they come in sheets of yeah. uh, of King's Hawaiian rolls in half and then just <laughs> yeah. like put a bunch of shit in there. Like just make a layer of cheese and a layer of marinara and a layer of fried chicken and then you put that on there and you cover it in butter and then you put it in the oven for like 20 minutes and then you cut them all up and you have just made a thousand sliders. I've always wanted to do that. 
Uh, this is like a big Thanksgiving thing too. I feel like that's where I discovered it mm. first was that um, like Thanksgiving at my aunt's house. I feel like we always had these. I think it, it was, was like e- the only time of year I ever had it. For us, it was Easter because ha- oh, you yeah. you saying pork made me think like, oh, we would have this with yeah. with our ham and mm-hmm. uh, you know whatever other Easter egg salad stuff we would have for for Easter. Yeah, it's a magical bread. It is a very good bread. Well, I mean, what else is there to say? About it? <laughs> it's the it's the Fast and the Furious franchise of breads. Ooh, Ooh yeah, I'm really laying it down. Family, now. family, family. It's all about family. Mm-hmm. Hey, can I steal you away? Please. It can be intimidating trying to roll with the console cowboys in cyberspace. Um, there's always the worry that maybe they know something that you don't. Vis-a-vis um, website design or website functionality, and you think, I could never be that. I could never be among their illustrious ranks. Griffin, if I wanted to build a website where I ranked my favorite episodes of Ghost Rider, would I be able to do that? Well, first of all, it would be the same list as everybody else's with the Julia Stiles <laughs> episode at the top. But yes, you can do that with Squarespace. It's the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite of integrated features and useful guides that help maximize prominence among search results. Do you want to have special functionality, like maybe a members-only VIP club section of your website? You can do that. Do you want to sell stuff? Yeah, you can do that too. Do you want to have an online scheduler so that people you can, you can sell uh your time yeah you can do that also anything is possible that's um there for the commercial the super bowl commercial they had that was my voice yelling anything is possible in the wow background. yeah not a lot of people know that hey head to squarespace.com slash wonderful pod for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use offer code wonderful pod to save 10 percent off your first purchase of a website or domain griffin yeah you know it's a shame what is that when you order uh, meals to be delivered to you, they can only be for dinner. That's true because of the law. But wait, wait, what's this coming across our desk? The law is different now? <laughs> it's factor. These rebels are operating outside the boundaries of food law. <laughs> factor has breakfast. They have midday bites. They have smoothies. Uh, there's lots of stuff you can get with Factor. What other things can you get with Factor? Well, I'm looking at this menu right now. They got a lot of tasty little options for you. I'm talking about artichoke and spinach chicken with roasted zucchini and tomato butter. Did you even know that butter could be tomato? <laughs> Not me. Shredded chicken and loaded mashed taters with, I changed the word. They say potatoes, but I said taters, precious. With mushroom <laughs> gravy, smoked cheddar, uh, bacon, and Parmesan broccoli. Uh, this this menu is out of sight, and my mouth is just watering looking at these glossy JPEGs of tasty food. So head to factormeals.com slash wonderful50 and use code wonderful50 to get 50% off. That's code wonderful50 at factormeals.com slash wonderful50 to get 50% off. Hey, can I read you uh, the first of our Gombotrons? Our what? Gombotrons. This first one is for Chloe. And it is from Ben, who says, I had gotten this message to celebrate our previously impending nuptials, but now I just want this to be for you. I know it's been a really hard time, and I hope by now things have gotten easier. No matter what happens, I'm so grateful for you. I'll love you always. Thank you for everything. Let me know if you want your symbolic ring substitute item. <laughs> what do you think that's going to be? <laughs> uh, a hula hoop. 
Interesting. Uh-huh. And you can do a little bit of fun prop work, like, oh no, what giant. I didn't know what size ring. you were. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, that's, good. that's really good, babe. Uh, do you want to read the next one? Yeah. This message is for Sarah. It is from Mitch. Hi, my sweetie bear. I love you and you're super wonderful. I can't wait to marry you. Unless we already are, which in that case, hooray. I love you so much. I love that. This covers all possibilities. Yes. Um, the before time, the after time. The during time. The during time. It doesn't cover the during time. There should have been a little sentence in there. I'm marrying like, you right now. I'm marrying you. <laughs> and that's what? Second person... Oh, pejorative not my strength and that was nothing what i said is also nothing <laughs> judge john hodgman won a webby in the comedy podcast category after 10 years of production judge john hodgman has finally won the susan lucci of the webbies what is judge john hodgman Comedy writer and television personality John Hodgman settles disputes between friends, family, co-workers, partners, and more. Is Machine Gun a robot? Should a grown adult tell his parents about his tattoos? Should a family be compelled to wear matching outfits on vacation? Listen to Judge John Hodgman to find out the answers to these age-old disputes and more. If you haven't listened to Judge John Hodgman, now is a great time to start. Judge John Hodgman is available on MaximumFun.org and wherever you get your podcasts. Can I tell you about my second thing? Yes, please. I thought of another rain song. Oh. Thunder only happens uh, nice. when it's raining. Mm-hmm. And you know what's appropriate? My second thing is the album Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. How have we not talked about this? I don't know, but are you fucking kidding me with this album? <laughs> Do you remember the first time that you heard rumors? Do you remember the first time that you're like, I should look into this rumors thing that everyone's always like, talking about? I feel like I happened upon rumors in kind of the way I think a lot of people do, where I had all these songs that I liked, and mm-hmm. then I realized they were all on, all one on the album. same fucking album. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I remember I was like in college and hadn't really entered my Fleetwood Mac phase yet. Uh, and I played uh, uh, Go Your Own Way on Rock Band. Uh-huh. And I was like, this song fucking rips. What is this? Uh, and then I listened to Rumors. And I was like, you know oh, wait, what? I know every song on this album already. For me, it was Landslide. And uh, that's not on rumors. Oh, it's not on rumors. Nice try, though. Oh. Fucking fake Fleetwood Mac fans. <laughs> I told you they're in this, they're on the scene. Not like us. Not like us real <laughs> Knicks heads, which is what we call ourselves. Okay. Real f- f- Fleetwood. My apologies. Real Fleetwood hack over there. <laughs> not like us. Um. Anyway, um, I want to take y'all back to 1976. <laughs> Fleetwood Mac had been around for a while, and it had sort of gone through all these different amalgamations. I think Rumors was like their 11th album or something like that, but not the 11th album that had the lineup that the band had, which was sort of like the main lineup that people talk about, which was you had um, uh, Mick Fleetwood, drummer, who had, you know, the eponymous member of the band. Then you had uh, Christine and John McVie. Uh, who were uh, married during their stint uh, uh, as as bandmates. And you had Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks, who joined the band together at a certain point in their lineup. It's a very, their lineage is like so, so, so confusing. What you also have to keep in mind is in 1976, basically, here's a fun mnemonic device. Everyone in the band was married to each other at some point and then divorced. (laughs) 
And all that happened in 1976. 1976, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks had this sort of like on again, off again, not especially healthy thing going on that mm-hmm. was like in a pretty bad place. Uh, as as it became time to record this album, uh, Christine McVie and John McVie, well, they were in the midst of a divorce uh, oh and, gosh. you know, had to just jam in that studio, baby. And then Mick Fleetwood wasn't married to anybody in the band, but his wife uh, had just had an affair with his best friend and now they were in the middle of a divorce. Oh, no. And you put all that into like a small <laughs> acoustically treated room and baby. That's music yeah, that's, magic. That's music magic right there. Um, man, it, the, the, the romantic situations of the band is not just like apocrypha. It is actually sort of important to understand because uh, all of the lyrics of all of the songs on this album, these incredibly memorable beloved songs are pretty much all about the tribulations that uh the romantic tribulations that all of these uh these these five people were going through um uh, and, and around this time like all of these rumors uh hence the title i believe uh about like the band was going around in the press about their you know about their romantic situations uh there were rumors that like christy McVie was in the hospital for an extended period of time and not a member of the band anymore uh, there were rumors that um, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks had left and they were bringing back the original lineup. Like, none of this stuff was true. What was true is that, like, they were going through these incredibly painful separations and not giving themselves any time to process them before yeah. they started to work again. Um, uh, Mick Fleetwood re- uh, referred to this as, quote, the tremendous emotional sacrifices recorded just to, like, get in a room together. Yeah. Um, so, like, the the... It informed everything on the album. And to like begin, uh, we can talk about Go Your Own Way, uh, which I mentioned earlier, which is a fucking bop with this like weird sort of syncopated drum beat that yeah. like you really, uh, when when you are forced to play along with it in a video game, like you really appreciate like, what the, f- what the fuck was Mick Fleetwood doing? Uh, and like a really just rad ass guitar solos all throughout. Uh, so j- just pay attention to the lyrics as I play a little bit of Go Your Own Way. Tell me why everything turned around. Packing up, jacking up, so you won't do. If I could, baby, I'd give you my world. Open up, everything's waiting for you. So Lindsay Buckingham wrote this song about Stevie Nicks Whoa. Um, who would perform it yeah. in the studio and you know on stage uh, Stevie Nicks not a, a huge fan of uh, particularly the line packing up shacking up's all you want to do uh, she, she was like no that's not a good hey yeah. Lindsay that sucks to say about me that I, all I want to do is shack up with like rando uh, dudes uh, and yet that stayed in the song, uh, and that is, you can understand, not a particularly uh, flattering thing. Uh, and, y- you know, I think that that is a pretty good, like, sort of cross-section of how raw I think they were getting when they were making this album together. But it wasn't all doom and gloom. They would get together, uh, usually in the studio, just around supper time, and they would have these big, wild, hedonistic feasts 
and then they would do a lot of drugs. Uh-huh. Uh, and then around like 2 a.m., they'd be like, all right, guys, <laughs> let's get to work. And they would record all night uh, in, in just a really, really sort of rough and also extremely stereotypical kind of like rock star uh, work environment. Can you uh, say some of the other songs that are on this album? Why, I would love to. How about Don't Stop? How about Secondhand News? How about Gold Dust Woman? How about The Chain? <sighs> if you don't love me now. Fucking uh, Dreams, the, yeah. the the song I sang at the beginning of this segment. Like, uh, So like a lot of these songs are difficult, challenging sort of relationship songs. There is one beautiful, bright light, this pure beam of energy, this Fast and the Furious franchise of this <laughs> album in the form of You Make Love and Fun which is sweet and light. I'm going to play a little bit of this one right now. love and fun sweet and nice right (laughs) this song why are you laughing it's sweet and nice and good this and go your own way feel like i don't know they feel like like big hair band songs kind of like arena rock a little yeah i thought well i think the energy of you make love and fun is unapologetically like positive it is a it is a song about a healthy good relationship that is making the singer and the subject of the song both very, very happy. Now, the singer and writer of this song was Christine McVie, uh, and she was singing about Fleetwood Mac's lighting director who she was having an affair with. (laughs) Wait, lighting director? Yeah, and I know you're probably wondering, was bandmate John McVie, like, cool with recording this song on the album well yes because christy mcvee told uh john that it was she had written it about their dog (laughs) oh man so everything was cool on that front (laughs) the history of this album is just fucking mind-boggling right yeah it is like and it's not like i do not want to glorify the unhealthiness physically emotionally mentally romantically uh that fueled this that fueled this album but I, I think it is important to, like, realize that when people talk about, like, old rock and roll and, like, the the trials and tribulations that people would put themselves through to create these, like, critically renowned, to this day, Rumors is one of the most, and for good reason, like, one of the most respected, revered albums of any sort of, uh, uh, you know, genre ever, ever, ever recorded. Uh, when people talk about like the hell that bands would put themselves through to yeah. make this kind of stuff, like that wasn't just that's that's not uh, it's not apocryphal. Like it is it is the real, honest to god reality of the situation when they were making this album, even though it sounds like something out of a movie. Uh, and you know, if it, but if you uh, if you'll forgive the, my choice of words here divorce yourself from all of that and just listen to rumors uh good lord it is a it is just a bop it is just such a good fucking album i pulled this because um uh i i was going through my grilling time playlist yesterday i have a playlist on spotify called grilling time because i did some grilling 
I think it might be fun to do like a little summer series just on some of the bands. Just get into yeah. a little bit of get into a little bit of uh, Doobie Brothers rock. in there. Uh, do a little bit of uh, little fucking Orleans. <laughs> Y'all want to fuck with Orleans? What is happening to you, Griffin? Grilling time happened to me back in like 2015. <laughs> yeah. Grilling time's been a part of my life for a long time now. Um, what is your second thing? Okay, it's actually, it's appropriate that the clouds have lifted as Ooh, yeah. we are recording this because my second thing is playing outside. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> for me, um, I was really big on this growing up. Um, I really love to be on my bike, riding around the neighborhood. I love to be just out in the grass, you know, living my life. Right. Playing, you know, croquet. Uh, playing croquet yeah did you play a lot of croquet growing up we had a croquet set at my house wow i never knew how to play it though i would just kind of set it up like a golf course around my yard uh and do it that way that's a cool way to play mm-hmm. it god croquet is a good game god mm-hmm. i miss playing croquet with our friends <laughs> Fuck, <man! laughs> um this is something we have lately been trying to get henry to do not, um, not croquet. He's much too young no. to hold hammers. <laughs> uh, playing outside in particular. Uh, it's it's something, it's interesting. He never really seems to want to do it. And then once he's out there, he just has the best time. Yeah. And it always makes me feel good about myself as a parent. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> because I feel like there just seems to be some inherent value in it. And then I did some research and actually there is. Yeah. I don't think I think I would have trusted you on that point without research. I think well when I was a kid, recess always seemed like a way that teachers would burn off our energy. Mm. You know? Like it didn't necessarily and I think it was kind of always treated that way too. Like it, it was never like recess is just as important as like math class, you right. know? But like in some ways it is. Yeah, absolutely. I've talked about sunshine. I'm not really going to go into it all the values of sunshine. Remind me though, good or bad? Good. Okay. In in moderation. Moderation. Yeah. Um children should be active for an hour every day. Wow, and that's just Rachel saying. <laughs> Uh, and also there's there's value in unstructured activity. So right. the the skills that you can build in school and being on a team are valuable, but also just, you know, problem solving, taking risks and being creative. Yes. You know, can build kind of self-esteem and also, you know, just just general life skills. I can tell any time that we haven't like a lot like taken Henry to play outside enough whenever he goes in the backyard and looks at the slide that we have back there and it's like fuck that no way <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> look at that thing yeah that sounds good I'd love to break every bone in my body you two dummies what's yeah, your problem some of this may be genetics that Henry is not a particular uh, risk prone child but I think some of it is also he is kind of an indoor kid and we are trying to shake him loose from that habit I think. well it seems a little hypocritical because we're both indoor kids that I is can, not uh, oh. see you met me as uh, almost 30-something adult. Mm. But when I was a kid, I was very much an outdoor person. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. It's just changed over time. Well, that's because you were a Sega Genesis family, and we were a Super Nintendo family. So we actually had... <laughs> you had a reason to be We indoors. had, yeah. We, we you know, you, you played Sonic the Hedgehog and beat it, and you're like, well, there's no more games. Better go play outside. There there are all sorts of, like, weird benefits, too, that kind of surprised me. Um there was an optometry and vision science study that showed children who play outside regularly have better distance vision. Well, yeah. 
which I'll I guess give, makes sense. I will seed that ground. <laughs> also, so if you if your child spends more time in front of like, you know, a television or an electronic device, they're only using the two senses of like hearing and sight. They're not using like, you know, smell, touch. Sometimes Henry t- tries to t- eat the iPad. <laughs> so that's taste. <laughs> Children that play outside more are better able to, as I mentioned, kind of troubleshoot and negotiate their environment. Um, And also, and this is not as applicable now, but you can kind of learn how to work together with other children. Hmm. So, you know, the idea of, you know, playing tag or hide and seek, like this idea of kind of working with other kids to complete a game yeah is is something that you can typically only do outside Mm -hmm. the other the other aspect of socialization children who play outdoors regularly are more curious self-directed and likely to stay with a task longer children who spend most of their time indoors with little exposure to activities requiring their own initiation uh show less ability to initiate or participate in new activities this is something I've been really conscious of. And I'm saying all this mainly because it is like, it is something that we have started to notice in Henry now that he's school age. Like, obviously, a young child has a limited attention span. Sure. But I want to, like, find activities that lengthen that. Yeah. Um, Because a lot of, like, you know, games and television stuff, like, are designed for that short attention span. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, I think... uh I think it's about sort of like balancing yeah. the two things because there are certainly plenty of redemptive, like good things to do inside. Yeah, also. no, there's a lot of great. I mean, we are lucky in that there's a lot of great educational programming, you know, that yeah. like, I feel actually really good about Henry participating. If, if in. you are a parent of a youngster, we have been deep into the noggin app which requires a subscription but it's like nick jr's thing and there's like some you know you know just fluff kids entertainment stuff on there but there's a lot of genuinely approachable interesting like logic reasoning uh uh, and like his favorite characters too you know yeah so like he's he's solving puzzles and and using math and and building these skills and also like engaged with it right yeah although even like the educational stuff like i will see him get like way too zombified like out into (laughs) it so it's it's all you know it's all about uh much like the sunlight moderation yeah i think uh, this is by no means a criticism of of people that don't spend a lot of time outdoors uh for me i just in this climate where activities are very limited, I really appreciate kind of the the kind of the boundless opportunity that comes with being outside. Right. You know, like like just being on a walk and being able to find like a rock you've never seen before or yeah. like see some kind of crazy plant. Yeah, and a big plant. You know, there's and a, a big... lot of crazy plants out there. Yeah, yeah. There's like like seven or eight. Seven or eight. Yeah. yeah. Uh so yeah, I, I just wanted to I don't know, express my appreciation for that. Uh, I feel like that's something that has been of interest to kids for generations. And it's cool that it's like something, you know, that going outside and like, and like building something out of rocks is still like a thing. It's kind of crazy. (laughs) Getting in a big public pool with like 400 other people. Rachel's always talking about how good that is. Well. To happen right now. It's a good thing you do like outside because if you think about most of the world is outside. I used to go, actually, every summer I used to go to an art camp, Mm -hmm. which 
by its definition, you would assume is not a particularly outdoor activity, but it was, it was in fact Ooh, outdoors. And yeah. so we did a lot of like outdoor activities in addition to our puppetry. <laughs> a lot of sort of uh, paintings of birds, a lot of bird sketching, a lot of uh, <laughs> examinations of the Fibonacci sequence. Um, that is the correct way to pronounce that word, by the way. That's beautiful. Your pronunciation is incredible. Oh, of the word Fibonacci. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. It sounds, uh, the way I say it, it sounds like a delicious dish, doesn't it? <laughs> Unlike the Fibonacci. Um, but no, it's the name of like a mathematician or something. I don't know. I would know if I wasn't such an, in, such an outdoor kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. If only I had read more books in my dark room. Oh, wait, I did. Oh, wait, it was video games. Do you want to know what our friends at home are talking about? Yes, please. Anna says, something I'm finding wonderful lately is the YouTube channel Cracking the Cryptic in which two very pure and very smart gentlemen solve a variety of Sudoku puzzles. Please enjoy the video that got me into them, which I've linked below. Uh, You obviously can't click on anything because you're hearing this with your ears, but it's called The Miracle. uh, And it's uh, a, a gentleman solving an incredibly difficult Sudoku puzzle with a single, like like two numbers filled in uh, and a very specific set of rules. Wow. I have seen everybody on the social media talking about this video. It is an incredible, incredible Sudoku-solving feat. Uh, and it's like a half hour long just watching this person just like sit there <laughs> and then like they figure out one number number, and the rest of it just like completely falls into place. It's wow. very satisfying to watch. Um, Amy says, my wonderful thing is getting to work early. I'm a healthcare worker, and I just arrived to my place of work about 10 minutes early today, and I love the few minutes I get to just sit in my car and finish my morning coffee and mindfully prepare myself for the day. Amy, you're doing you're doing great stuff out there. We appreciate you. And also, that is a very nice... I mean, it's been a while since I've had to drive a, work, uh, a car to work, <laughs> but I do remember, you know, sitting in that TCBY parking lot... <laughs> Which I think we can all agree is of equal import. <laughs> Just like, you know, smoking smoking a pack of cigarettes, like, oh, God. That yogurt isn't going to swirl itself, what you know? What are they going to ask of me today? All day. What was it? What did he call it? Every day that I get in that TCBY, it is a, it is a tremendous emotional sacrifice <laughs> to do the work I have to do, you know? Because me and all my employees, my, my co-workers at TCBY, we were also all divorced um, from each other. Um, and when, what was your album that you created? I mean, you know, Fudgy Swirl. <laughs> it wasn't an album, baby. We weren't making music. Mm-hmm. You know that, right? At TCBY, mm-hmm. they don't make music. Still art, though. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, it was mm-hmm. art. The things I did in there. Oh, my God. <laughs> erratic i still watch it walk into any tcby in the country and they're like oh my god is that cinnamon swirl griffin macro <laughs> yeah it's me don't worry about it i heard he once brought his own box of cinnamon toast crunch into the tcby to make his own forbidden treats uh that's a rumor that didn't uh <laughs> it was french toast crunch um thank you to bowen and augustus for the use for our theme song money won't pay you can find a link to that in the episode description and thank you to maximum fun for having us on the network thank you maximum fun you can find a lot of incredible shows on the maximum fun and i'm gonna go ahead and recommend uh the greatest generation yes which you know earlier we were talking about you know a potential (laughs) 
return to Star Trek this fall. Well, for you, it would not be a return. <laughs> it would be a, a first. Yeah. Uh, if you are a Star Trek enthusiast, that's the podcast for you. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's a going. I think that's about it. <laughs> mm, I think that's about it. Uh-huh. Oh, I have a. Uh, uh, you know how we were. Yeah. <laughs> we were ending with like a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little tip. Yeah, like a little. What is it? Piece of. Uh, make a list of all the great things you've done in your life no just past few months oh okay this is not something i've done yet but in my head i'm mentally preparing a list of tasks and uh new exciting recipes that i have completed and Mm. just just adventures i have been on you know the past couple months yeah like that big public pool party that you went to (laughs) (laughs) you were raging at and i was like babe no Babe, please don't. You know, that really hits that really hits with me because it did happen in Missouri. It did happen in Missouri, yeah. Um, which I, I and you flew on six different planes <laughs> to get there. Rachel. Um, she didn't really do that. <laughs> She'd want me to say. <laughs> MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported. Hey, I'm Janet Farney, host of the JV Club podcast. Ah, high school. Was it a time of adventure, romance, and discovery? Class of 95, we did it! Or a time of angst, disappointment, and confusion. We're all tied together by four years of trauma at this place, but enjoy adulthood, I guess. The truth is, it was both. So join me on the JV Club podcast where I invite some great friends like Kristen Bell, Angela Kinsey, Oscar Nunez, Neil Patrick Harris, and Keegan-Michael Key to talk about high school, the good, the bad, and everything in between. My teenage mood swings are getting harder to manage. The JV Club. Find it on Maximum Fun.